0: My name is Ryan Fleetwood. I am coming to you from my living room in the house that I'm fourth generation in, and the house is on the Fleetwood Ranch, which is the same place that we're raising our kids, where I was raised, and my mother was raised, and my granddad and his parents came to in 1924. You're listening to the Quarter Horse Holler. This is the premiere episode, the the pilot episode, and I just thought that I would do some introduction of myself for those of you that don't know me or if you're coming to us down the road after we've published some episodes, uh, this is an introductory episode for you to get to know me a little bit. So, I grew up, as I said, uh, on this place and always involved with horses. I've been around horses for as long as I can remember and so, the the value and the intrinsic know-how, if you will, of horses has always been instilled in me as long as I can remember. There's really been nothing in my life other than my family that I've been as dedicated to other than horses. They have been uh, what has captured me in all ways forever and ever. And I'm a very fortunate man because I've Gotten to the point now where my whole life is about horses. That's all I do everything that I do to uh, Make a living or to enjoy is to do with horses and quarter horses in particular are my breed of choice Uh, You know the quarter horse makes up the base of, of stock horses out there and a lot of what I want to talk about in the quarter horse hauler has to do with quarter horses obviously I want to talk about breeding decisions breeders i of course have a a basis in my own herd and my own experience my own breeding program but i've got some guests that have already agreed to come on the show who will give us a pretty wide array of experiences and knowledge right across the horse industry so i'm really excited about that probably growing up with horses you know that that love was instilled right from the very beginning and that came through my grandpa Fleetwood to my mother who was a horsewoman and then to me she used to call it the disease that she gave me the disease and capitalized it even when she printed it so it's uh, it runs fairly deep all the way back we can trace horse uh, uh, involvement all the way back through many generations and actually on both sides of my family. My granddad raised thoroughbreds. He was uh, a horseman, but an old school horseman. And I think a lot of you will understand what I say when I talk about him being an old school horseman. He wasn't too involved with uh, you know, what we would think about for natural horsemanship or uh, that kind of thing now and he was a a thoroughbred guy as i said i've got a cool picture of him that i'll share with you guys of him amongst his thoroughbred mares and and foals and so i moved away from the thoroughbred a little bit in the beginning of my breeding career we went pretty much to the foundation quarter horse and that's where we were for a long time uh And Then I got a particular horse that really opened my eyes to the the value of the thoroughbred blood input into a quarter horse breeding program We can probably make a whole episode about that. I'm sure we can or more than one actually uh, In regard to the thoroughbred in the quarter horse breeding program So my granddad and I wear his ring every day right here on my finger His name was Alfred Fleetwood uh, which is my middle and last name. And he was, uh, he was a great guy. He was a, a man's man. He was a big guy, very clever, uh, and everybody liked him. He always made people laugh, and he was a strong man in every way. He was mentally strong. He was physically strong and just a great guy he passed away when I was 15 years old, but then I was lucky enough to have my grandmother on that side until I was 33 years old. So she was a, she was a great person and and a great force in my life too, though. She never would have been, she never would have been considered a force because she was that kind little old lady that everybody loved, but she was a friend and, and a mentor and a confidant to me. And then of course we come to my mother, uh, whom anybody who knows me will know that I give her a lot of credit for what and where and who I am. Uh, I'm not sure how long I can talk about my mother. She's been, <clears throat> she's been gone for about five years and, uh, she was a big, big, big part of my life. She was, uh, many things to me and, um was the one who has put me in this position, set me up, supported, sponsored in some cases, <laughs> a lot of things to uh, to get me here. And all of those people that I've talked about, they all wanted me and whatever my family would be to be here on this Fleetwood place. They helped me to be able to stay here and be here and to pursue becoming a horseman and a better horseman because... They knew that that's what I wanted and they'd given me every opportunity to do that. My mother not only taught me about horses and the, you know, the things like safety and how to handle them, general horsemanship, how to be around them, but she also hauled me to lessons and clinics. Uh, across the province and and even beyond, we used to go to some quarter horse shows in Montana, and uh, you know she just exposed me to a lot of different clinicians and trainers and teachers. She always said, if you get one thing from this clinic, that you take with you for the rest of your horse life, you're ahead of the game, and that was the truth because I learned so many different things from different people. I've never been one to subscribe to any one particular trainer, but certainly I think that it works to go and learn things from different people. And as a clinician, when I'm doing that work, when I'm teaching people, I tell them, don't just learn from me, go and learn from other people, go and and get one thing, if that's all you get, that you take with you and you keep with you, that works for you. My granddad raised thoroughbreds. My mom got into quarter horses a little bit more. Uh, Basically, when I was a kid, I remember her getting some registered quarter horses. Uh, The first brood mare that I remember having was an old red dun mare whose name was Kilo Jag Dunny. And she was a daughter of Kilimax. Uh, she was the daughter of Kilabar, who was by Kilimax. And one of the stories in particular that I remember doing with her was taking that mare from here over to Hansma's, to Jerry Hansma's place, who was the son of Hans Hansma, recently inducted into the AQHA Hall of Fame. Uh, Jerry's brothers are Paul and Winston in Texas. They're all big cutters, and most people will, if they're quarter horse people, you'll probably know their name. When we went and took this mare over there to be bred to a horse by the name of Pep's Mr. Doc, and I do believe, boy, I'd have to go back and look now. This is a long time ago, but I think he was a peppy san, and out of a Doc Bar daughter, anyway we drove over there, drove the mare into this big field full of mares, and the stallion came over at a lope, unloaded the mare into this big field, and you know, they had their getting to know each other, business go on, and there was all these mares around, and beautiful horses, of course. And I remember in that moment, I don't know, I was probably 10 or 12 years old, I remember in that moment thinking, I want to do this, this is amazing. And so there's uh, you know there's a tie into uh, a local Alberta family of horse people who have also gone far beyond that in in their success and and uh, their fame really and then of course the, the memory that involves my mom too so we always had a few mares and foals around and then I don't remember exactly what year it was but. Before the year 2000, I was looking for a horse for myself to ride and uh, a fella that we somehow had gotten in touch with had a, a horse for sale and he told me all about this horse. He was a black horse and, you know, three years old. So he had he had him broke and riding and how nice he was and how how smart he was and... How he was kind and quiet and all these things. And then he told us that he was a stallion. And I really wasn't looking for a stallion. That wasn't really what I wanted at that point. But I went to meet the horse, thinking I just needed to meet him. And you know how that goes. I ended up buying the horse. At the time, with my grandmother's help, she uh, gave me a check to cover writing a check for the stallion. And that stallion's name was Pepsi Max. And he was the horse that started it all for me as far as breeding goes. And he wasn't a horse that had a lot of pedigree or, uh, you know, known pedigree. If you looked at his papers now or or even then, you know, he went way back to some names that you would recognize. But he he was my heart horse. And man, that horse and I did so many things together. He was a really, really beautiful, shapy, typey cow horse, quarter horse. And he really was one of the best dispositioned horses still. I think that probably I set my bar at what Pepsi Max was. And then we have to bring along the rest of the horses to, to measure up to him. Uh, He sired a lot of great foals for us, probably back before we really had great mares, uh, he learned, he helped me to learn a lot. He taught me a lot and probably the first greatest loss of my life was him. Uh, 2007, he died of colic. Uh, died in the in the frozen gravel yard of the vet clinic we were taking him to 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 try and help him and I remember being flopped over his body just bawling my eyes out for I don't know an hour or more my mother put a horse blanket over me because I wouldn't leave him and I was just completely uh, immobilized in in that moment and I think back now to, you know, then I had my grandmother, I had my mother, uh, and so perhaps he was the first in some grief training that I had to go through at that time in order to survive what I have since. My mother and I had lots of conversations about horses, confirmation, disposition, what we would like to change, And how and so a lot of that led to talking about how we would choose a mate for that horse and making breeding decisions fast forward to now and I've made a lot of breeding decisions for horses but a lot of it goes back to that old foundation of of my um, childhood or teenage years even my even years as a young adult when we talked a lot about what each horse needed to be better and that's one of the things that I want to talk about in the quarter horse hauler is the way that breeding decisions are made now in a lot of cases almost entirely on empirical evidence uh, evidence that you can see uh, ie earnings and there's very little at least in my opinion consideration given to of the other things that we need to consider such as the common characteristics of each horse and their ancestors and just looking at them objectively and knowing what it is that they could do or have or be better at and choosing the right mates for them i have been a quarter horse breeder for 30 years now I know i don't look old enough to say that but it is true it's been 30 years i've been breeding quarter horses i am an aqha professional horseman and more recently an aqha director the aqha is of course the american quarter horse association i also have been a director on the canadian quarter horse association uh, and also my breeding program was lucky enough to have won the 2021 Canadian Quarter Horse Best Remuda Award here in Canada. So in the Quarter Horse hauler, there are a number of things that I want to discuss. There's a number of things that I want to talk about that I have in mind now, and I think as we go, we will create more and more applicable content that we can come back to and discuss again one of the guests that i'm excited to tell you about has agreed to come on is a, a renowned retired canadian veterinarian and equine veterinarian dr wayne burwash dr burwash has been a known renowned celebrated awarded veterinarian not only in western canada but on the continent, and really he's known across the world in quarter horse circles. He's been raising quarter horses. He and his late wife, Shannon, have had a number of successful show horses, and Dr. Burwash is still raising horses. He's still doing some veterinary work. Uh, You may know the Burwash equine, which of course bears his name and and was his baby for most of, of his life. Dr. Burwash and I get into some really interesting conversations when we chat and one of those is the general health and soundness of quarter horses today versus yesterday and I know that it's his opinion that quarter horses today are not nearly as sound due to breeding practices as they were in the old days. Now I think that that he would agree with that (laughs) as being his opinion, but we're going to let that come uh, to you from him when we get him here on the show. But that's one of the guys we're really looking forward to having another guy that we're going to have on the show is Ron Anderson. Ron Anderson is, uh, is the voice when you're listening to a horse competition of most any kind or a horse sale uh, auction sales. Ron Anderson's name is synonymous with all of those. So we're looking forward to a conversation with Ron and his take on the quarter horse industry today in Canada and beyond. Boy, we've got some great people from the AQHA itself. People on the staff side, uh, including the Executive Vice President, Carl Stressman, who has agreed to come on the Quarter Horse Hauler and have a conversation with us. So. We've got all sorts of people, trainers, breeders, veterinarians, owners who are committed to having conversation with me and we will bring that to you in turn. We're really looking forward to this show. I think that in introducing myself, I have to talk a little bit about what 30 years of breeding quarter horses has brought me and That is to the opinion that most quarter horses today are bred based on decisions made through earnings or pedigree, or both. Neither one of which is a bad thing, but if they are the first and foremost thing in making breeding decisions, then in my opinion, they become less positive i think that we have to get back to a time where we look at the disposition first confirmation second and soundness or longevity has to come right up close in there also we've got to look at horses objectively and judge what they need and find that in a mate That's one of the major things that I want to discuss with people as we move forward through the episodes of the Quarter Horse Holler. I think that it wouldn't be complete to introduce myself to you without telling you a few things about some of the stallions i've had and that's not to leave the mares out but we can always come back to the mares because there have been so many really great mares and when i look at the list of stallions there have been quite a few of them too but they're easier to single out and talk about of course because there's less of them and because they sire multiple foals per year so you know, it's easier to make a judgment on, on stallions than it is on mares. Pepsi Max, who I've talked about before, was the first stallion that I ever had, who was my own. And he was probably, uh, uh, sent to me by the good Lord above. He saw me through so many stages in my, in my life. I was a fairly young teen when I got him and, uh, I had him for a decade or so really a a wonderful horse as I've said before probably the horse that I set the bar to for the rest to measure up Uh, we'll share some uh, some photos of him and uh, and talk about him a little bit more another time another stallion that probably put us on the map that people knew a lot about was jazz poco golden blue And he was the most famous Gruya horse in the world. I put that title on him, but it's true. That's what he was at the time he was advertised and photographed so much really masculine, strong horse who came in that cool Gruya color. Now, as a little aside. I know some of you are saying, what color is grulla? Because I know that a lot of Canadians and others pronounce the word grulla, G-R-U-L-L-A. But in fact, the proper pronunciation is Gruya. So that's the color I'm talking about. Jazz Poco Golden Blue was uh, line bred back to Poco Bueno, and he was sired by little steel dust and Out of a Mare by Poco's Gray Comet. Each of those stallions I've mentioned about Jazz Poco Golden Blue were grandsons of Poco Bueno. One of the great parts about him is that he was five-panel negative as well. We used blue on a lot of mares and a number of different types of mares uh, in our breeding program and discovered late in his breeding career with us that he crossed the best with a running type of mare, or a mare who was half thoroughbred or more. He was so tightly line bred that he threw his type in almost everything. And so it was my opinion that if you bred him to a mare who was too much the same type as him, you just ended up with too much of the same thing. And so to pull him away, we had to breed him to a different type of mare jacks fedex was another stallion that was big in in our lives in our breeding program he was a buckskin shiny beautiful buckskin horse that we bought sight unseen out of california he was a grandson of both Doc Bar and poco Tivio. and he lived with us for about five years uh, and and bred mares here for that long we've got a number of his daughters still in our broodmare band who do nothing but take the average up as far as I'm concerned we probably can do a whole episode in the future about each of these stallions or certainly cover maybe cover two or three of them in each episode as we go forward Simply a Spark was another horse that I have to give a nod to in my past. Uh, We do have a number of his daughters in our broodmare band still. I never owned Simply a Spark. He was owned by a friend and mentor of mine by the name of Liz Hunton out of Montana. And Liz became and remains one of the greatest friends and influences and mentors to me that there is in the business still. Pegasus. Uh, not sure if you can see his picture behind me on the uh, on the wall or not, but Pegasus was a gray son of Playgun and he was out of a Pepisan bred mare. I, th- I believe she was a granddaughter of Pepisan. He'd won just over 50 or 55,000 NCHA when he came to me And so he taught me a thing or two about cutting. I never did compete on him, uh, but I certainly went and rode with a trainer who could show me what the horse could do. And I'll tell you what, I had to really learn how to hold on to ride that horse in front of a cow. Uh, Really great stallion. You know, He recently just passed away, and uh, that's been a little bit hard on the heart. But a horse that brought us a lot of good while he was with us. And uh, we've got two daughters in the broodmare band currently. Shivershake was a son of Doc's Hickory, and he was out of a mare who was by a three-quarter or seven-eighths brother to Freckles Playboy. And then his second dam was Nurse Ray, who was a mother to Dual Ray. We still have a little bit of frozen semen on Shivershake. Um, just a real old gentleman horse. We got him towards the end of his life and his knees were starting to go and and some things like that that in the end were were what ended up taking him, but one of those horses that certainly has made an impact to me and to our breeding program. Starstruck Dunnett was a horse that we bought in partnership with uh, my friend and mentor Daniel Patton out of Ohio, and Starstruck was by Hollywood it, and out of a daughter of Grace Starlight. So that gives you an idea right there, talking about consistent traits and pedigree, how great a horse he was and, and just how dang pretty he was to look at. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have any daughters of Starstruck, But we do have a granddaughter. Another great horse that happened across my plate years ago was C.E. Poco Carablanca. And he was a grandson of Poco Bueno. And in fact, 40% line bred to Poco Bueno. And when the fellow who owned him contacted me, I can't remember if he called or he texted me, this is years ago now. And he said, I have a grandson of Poco Bueno. And I thought, No, you don't. There's no way that you have a grandson of Poco Bueno. And so he sent me the papers, and that was indeed what the horse was. My mom went to look at him, and uh, I remember when she called me, she said, and we knew already, the horse was blind in both eyes. He'd had different problems in in each eye, and so he was blind entirely. And he'd had some other problems issues along the way it sounded like he'd had a bit of a rough life but she was uh, moved by him and that wasn't usual for my mother to feel that much emotion over a horse that she had just met but she knew when she met him that we had to own him and so we did he turned out to be five panel negative two which was great uh, you know, given the fact that he was 40% line bred back to Poco Bueno, we were expecting a herd Herda copy there, and and he didn't have it. So we've got, uh, I think, two daughters and probably a couple of granddaughters of this old horse in the broodmare band as well. Champ Silverado was the first silver, um, silver bay stallion that I had, or that I had encountered. And uh, once again, there's uh fodder for content for the future there's a whole story there too as to how the silver bay horses came to be in our breeding program but i'm sure thankful to have them champ silverado is gelded now and lives with us we use him as a riding gelding uh great horse lots of training lots of education and more recently i had bought a thoroughbred stallion by the name of big black storm and big black storm was uh an experiment not that didn't work, um, because he, he did work. We got some great foals two years in a row by Big Black Storm out of a real typey quarter horse mares is what we bred him to. And then we, we lost some pasture. We let the stallion go. He's living his best life in Montana. And now we breed to a thoroughbred stallion by the name of Fed Biz who lives at Highfield Stock Farm. Here in Alberta, and Fedbiz is uh, Giants Causeway. He's a winner of I think seven hundred thousand dollars or something like that on the on the track and and uh, absolute you know darn near perfect specimen. No matter what his breed is, you can certainly see that he's a thoroughbred. And as a quarter horse guy, obviously that's my preference, but we can breed the thoroughbred in. And this is a good one to breed in because he brings all sorts of traits that are necessary as far as I'm concerned in the quarter horse business. Right now we stand or own seven or eight quarter horse stallions. Uh, In no particular order, Roland my Maiduli, who's a son of C.D. Alina and out of a dual-pep daughter, his maternal grandmother is a full sister to Playgun, so he is a racked and stacked stallion as far as pedigree goes. And he's been here for a number of years. We continue to use him a lot on the kind of big, old-fashioned type of mares. He's not a narrow horse, but he's more narrow than the type of mare that I'm talking about. And so he just kind of, you know, brings them down, classes them up, adds maybe some athleticism as far as that ability to get over and around themselves in, in the foals. Uh, another old stallion that we have right now is Shiner Leosan. And Shiner Leosan is a son of Simply a Spark, who I talked about earlier. Shiner is 15 two hands high, big th- thick bone, great structure. He's a big framey horse. He's breedy. You know, when I look at this horse, I can see him as a breedy type of animal. And I wouldn't use that word in reference to all stallions, but he just shows it in his frame and his structure, uh, how much bone he has. You know, there's almost so much bone around the cannon bone that it's so round that it's flat across the the top in the middle if you know what i mean so a great horse to have for as long as as he's going to be able to breed i think he's 22 or 23 this year we've got two young stallions coming up one is by a vintage smoke and out of a daughter of judge boone by pepto Boonsmall, and he is a blue roan colt that we call batman and Batman is developing just beautifully. He's, he's shapy and proportionate and really a kind, quiet, wonderful colt. So uh, he'll be one to look for in the future. The other one is a son of Done It Okay. You know what? I never talked about Done It Okay. Uh, Done It Okay lived here with us for a number of years. And uh, in particular, had I had pursued the lady who owned him for years. And I don't think she would have ever sold him to me or to anybody else, except that unfortunately she got sick. And so she had to find a new home for the horse. And she knew that we would honor his legacy and breed him to some pretty great mares. And a lot of the reason that I wanted Done It Okay was to breed to Blue Daughters, to Jazz Pogo Golden Blue Daughters, because they could just use a little bit of refinement in the front end, through the neck and the head and the face and the shoulders. Uh, and add a little bit of wither typically those kinds of things were necessary for them and these were all things that done it okay brought to the table so done it okay has had been with us for years uh he's gone now so we also have a son of his who is out of a daughter of simply a spark now simply a spark i'll remind you is a full brother to shining spark And then this colt's mother, back to her, her bottom side is uh, Doc's Hickory. So our young colt is by Done It Okay, and out of a daughter of simply a spark, and his name is Zorro. And he's just coming to, but he's a a fun colt, really uh, beautiful, well made. He just looks so much like his daddy. The great part is that he is, uh, as all of our stallions are, six panel negative, and carries two copies of black, two copies of dun, one agouti, and one cream. And then, last but not least, I want to talk about the Silver Bay horses that we have, or the, the silver dilution horses that we have. Of course, as I said earlier, that started with Champ Silverado, and when we got him, he was a, a mature, coming to be a mature horse, and there was some youngsters that came in that package too. One of them was Silver Assured, who is one of only two homozygous silver quarter horses in the world. Silver Assured... Uh, currently has frozen semen collected so we can ship to Australia or anywhere in North America. And we've ridden the horse. We continue to ride the horse whenever we want to or need to. You can just go grab him and go do whatever you'd like to do with him. The thing about the silver horses is the super quiet disposition. They really have it. They apply it to every foal that they sire all the time and it's an amazing thing because they're very user friendly they're just quiet and easy to get along with in every way the other silver stallions that we have are silver lincoln who's probably a pretty close to a personal favorite for me really shapy horse round and i don't mean fat round i mean the way he travels round a very very cool horse he's got a great big eye and he's soft and quiet really level-minded, which is what his eye says he should be. And then I have another young up-and-coming silver horse whose name is Silver Silas, and he is sired by Silver Assured and out of one of our great mares looking at a riata. So, in conclusion, for our pilot episode, Quarter Horse Hauler, I want to thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Thank you for being interested. Our intention is to move forward with, as I've said, all sorts of different interviews with people in the horse industry and some of my thoughts and ideas from my time and my lifetime in this business bear with us as we move forward i'm sure that this will be an evolving process as they always are but we're looking forward to it and thank you again for being here be sure to send us your questions suggestions for the future. Thanks everybody. As always, I remain committed to what's best for the breed.